I know you've heard this before. Einstein once said, doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast. In our podcast, we discuss the new view of safety, what works and what doesn't work, to break down old paradigms and help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Pam, and we appreciate you listening. Please share and subscribe and tell others about this podcast. You can find us on most podcast platforms and also on YouTube. Now, sir. Hi, folks. How are we doing? How are you doing? Hope everybody's doing great. We're doing great here. Everything is busy, busy, busy. We're uh, This is August of 2021, and just as we were coming out of the COVID thing, we're right back in it again, and that's unfortunate. And I know a lot of people are having a lot of challenges right now, uh, a lot of staffing issues and everything else. And I'll tell you that human performance work has never been busier. Back in March of 2020, when this COVID thing really flared up, we did have a little bit of a bump where it was not busy, but we converted everything to virtual, virtual training, virtual consulting, and pretty much that's what we've been doing ever since. Uh, Even when things started to lighten up with COVID here recently, a lot of our clients actually liked the virtual training versus in person. Plus, they liked the fact they didn't have to pay for travel expenses too, right? And uh, so we've been doing a tremendous amount of virtual work even uh, during the period of time here the last few months when COVID kind of went down a little bit. So today's podcast is titled, That's Not Human Performance. I'm sometimes amazed at the number of organizations who claim they've embraced human performance as an operating philosophy. Yet, they're doing the same things they've always done the same way. They have simply slapped a new label on the same old, tired, traditional safety program approach. This is no different than how organizations contorted behavior-based safety years ago by removing all the essential science behind the process, then claiming it did not work. Of course it didn't work, and neither will HP if you don't approach it holistically. There's a reason HP is referred to as safety differently, or the new view because it's a paradigm shift, or systems thinking. And I really prefer that term, because it encompasses more than just safety. Human performance is not just about safety. It's about operational excellence. Usually when someone tells me their organization has embraced HP as a way of operating, I ask them to describe what HP looks like in their business. Here's some common ones. Well, we do learning teams now. Oh, okay. Well, how are they conducted? Well, the team is comprised of supervisors and managers, but we do it in a blame-free kind of way. I'm sorry, folks. That's not learning teams. Here's another one. We put a list out of things that can get you killed and make our workers aware of those things. Nice. There's a lot more to HP than that. Here's another one. We train our workers in STAR and three-way communication. Those are great error reduction tools, but there's a whole lot more to human performance than just the error reduction tools. 
Those last two bullets we just discussed, of course, are firmly centered on fixing workers, not the system. And remember, human performance is about systems thinking. It's about understanding how our operating systems drive error and how our operating systems may drive at-risk behaviors. In all honesty, what we usually find is at the root of misunderstanding what HP is all about is a lack of adequate education and training. Someone will attend a one-day or a half-day HP session, pick out two or three things they learn, implement them to some degree, and then check a box and claim they're doing HP. I'm sorry, but something as significant as a major paradigm shift in thinking does not occur based on a few hours of training or listening to a podcast. HP is a large topic and it has many moving parts. It requires a good and full understanding and it requires alignment of the organization to the principles and the pillars that support this process. Doing the same things we've always done is not safety differently and certainly is not the new view. Here's a few examples. Holding learning teams with supervisors or managers in the room. I hear this one a lot. Let's be clear, event learning teams are not investigations. They are facilitated conversations with the people who do the work. The purpose of a learning team is to gain valuable operational intelligence from those closest to the work and closest to the risk. It's to provide management and supervisors with the detail that they are missing from not physically doing the work themselves. Having a room full of supervisors or managers or safety people sitting around a room trying to figure out why some worker did something wrong is not a learning team. It is simply the same old traditional investigative approach with a new name. I guess some people think that calling it a learning team sounds cool and current with the times. For learning teams to be effective, they have to be conducted in a blame-free environment. They're best conducted by a non-biased facilitator who is removed from the same type of work as the workers. Learning teams are about understanding the context of how the work is performed because context drives behavior. Context drives error. We know that despite how work is planned, it usually does not go according to that plan. How we imagine work is done is usually not how work actually goes. The learning team is about understanding how work actually goes. Also, having supervisors or managers in the room with the workers sometimes is not a good idea either, at least in the beginning. As the learning team concept matures, it becomes less of a problem now. However, when starting out, workers tend to be somewhat distrustful because of past experiences with old investigative practices that usually devolve into blaming the workers. I could tell you story after story of learning teams that had to be shut down because of supervisors or managers interjecting their opinions or dominating the conversation or going into a self-protective mode. Another reason it's not a good idea is what if one of the supervisors or the managers is part of the problem? Do you really expect workers to be open and honest? If workers perceive it just to be another blame the worker investigation, they will always seek to protect themselves, to protect their families, and to protect their paychecks. And they will fabricate information to protect themselves. This is an exercise in futility, and no real learning occurs. Here's another one. 
failing to move from a punishing organization to a learning organization. I often hear if our workers make a mistake, they will still be punished. We expect them to do the right things. This is one that sometimes makes me want to pull out whatever hair I have left. Did we misunderstand something in HP training? Did the fact that workers can't choose to make an error go completely over our heads? Errors are not a choice. They are not intentional and therefore they are never ever punishable. They are a perfect learning opportunity, however. You can't punish away errors. You can't train them away and you cannot incentivize them away. You can't train somebody to not make a mistake. You can't incentivize somebody to not forget something. That stuff just simply doesn't work. And in fact, punishing errors only guarantees that workers will never tell us about errors in the future, which is the complete opposite of a culture that you want for human performance. In HP, we encourage people to bring up their errors. We incentivize them to bring up their errors. We reinforce them for bringing up their errors. Because if we don't know about them, there's nothing we can do about it. But if we know about them, then we can put together the learning teams to determine the right kind of consequence control that is necessary to reduce those types of errors in the future. Here's a little tip. If more than 10% of the outcomes of an investigation focuses on blaming the workers or trying to fix the workers, you have a flawed system. It is not possible for a punishing organization to also be a learning organization. It's not possible. Or to coin a quote from Sidney Decker, you can blame or you can learn, but you can't do both. Here's another one. Continuing to believe that zero incidents is possible. You would think by now, by 2021, we would have moved beyond this kind of flawed thinking. But I still hear it all the time. I still see signs and hard hat stickers with zero injuries, zero accidents, blah, blah, blah. Zero is a standard of perfection. It does not account for human error. It assumes that everything is within the control of the worker. And that's simply not true. Workers have no say over staffing. They have no say over schedule. They have no say over management decisions. They have no say over goals and work expectations and many other things that underlie the reasons that errors occur. I'm not going to regurgitate the entire podcast I did a while back titled The Fallacy of Zero nor a recent one titled Assume the Worst. If you're interested, go back and take a listen to those. I think they will enlighten you quite a bit. That kind of thinking does more harm than you may think, and if you're really implementing human performance and you really are knowledgeable about HP, you will get rid of that kind of thinking in your organization. Here's another big one. I hear this one a lot. Human performance in our organization is basically we have a list of things that will kill you. I've had at least four companies in the past two years tell me, yes, we practice human performance. When I ask them to describe it, they will say, well, we had a consultant help us develop a list of things that will kill you. Okay, and? Well, that's it. That's what we do. Then I have one of those OMG moments. Do they really believe that's all there is to HP? That's usually followed by a WTH moment. A list of risks that kill is a good tool, but it's nothing new. These things have been around in traditional safety practice for decades. This is not safety differently. 
It is not the new view, and it surely is not systems thinking. Again, this is the old traditional fix-the-worker approach. Make them aware of the risks, and somehow that will magically fix the problem. Here's another one. Failing to focus on catching and managing organizational drift. Organizational drift is a huge part of human performance. And if you're not familiar, drift is a slow incremental deviation from rules, policies, practices, and procedures. And it happens in every organization. And none are immune to it. And the ones most prone to it are the ones who perceive themselves to be successful. Unfortunately, usually that perception of success is based on false and lagging outcome indicators like the recordable rate. This is also usually attached to monikers such as zero incidents. While organizations think they're doing well, they are slowly drifting toward a fatality or a catastrophic event and never see it coming. They're blindsided. Integrating human performance requires understanding and managing drift on a continuous basis. Often when I ask a company that claims to be doing HP about drift, they sometimes have no clue what I'm even talking about. Another one is thinking of behavior-based safety process as human performance. I recently had another consultant tell me they're teaching human performance. I thought, great, we need more people out there getting this word out. What do you all teach in your courses, I said. Then he went on to describe a behavior-based observation, feedback, and reinforcement program. And I said, well, what else is there to it? Well, that's what we teach. You know, don't get me wrong. The sixth principle of human performance is that people achieve high levels of performance based on encouragement and reinforcement. However, that is only one principle of human performance. Behavior-based or performance coaching systems are a subset of human performance, not the entire process. Here's another one. Not aligning the organization from the top to the bottom. This is a very common problem. Often executives fail to get the kind of training that they need to be able to support this operating philosophy. I've heard executives say, I don't need any training, just train my people and I'll support whatever they're doing. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's not possible for any senior manager to be able to properly respond to failure if they are not educated in this new paradigm. They have to view safety differently too. They have to respond to failure differently than the old traditional crime and punishment model that they have been trained around for so many years. I have had plant and job site locations who wanted to do HP, but their corporate office was not in alignment. This arrangement almost guarantees that they will fail every time. It almost guarantees that they will not be successful in sustaining human performance in their organization and will, in fact, undermine everything that the plant or the job site location is actually trying to accomplish. I will spare you my diatribe about the pure arrogance and intellectual laziness of executives who don't know what they don't know but think they do. Here's another one. Simply training workers in error reduction tools and what's worse, punishing them if they don't. You know error reduction tools such as STAR, 20-20-20, three-way communication, peer checks, and many more. There are 50 or 60 different error reduction tools that are available. Those are valuable complements to system fixes. 
They help workers to become more aware of their own fallibility and also to help them navigate flaws in the operating system that cannot be fixed. You know, while HP is about systems thinking, there are times it's not possible to fix the system. In that case, workers need to be trained and encouraged and reminded of some of the HP tools so that they can become habituated as part of the way that they work. Here's just an example of that. In the construction industry, schedules are usually set by designers, developers, and others who have never actually done construction. They are often set based on cost, not safety. Sometimes schedules may drive error precursors, such as rushing and or fatigue. Neither the contractors nor the workers have any say of changing those schedules, and in fact, sometimes have financial liquidated damage clauses in their contracts for failing to meet a schedule. In that case, you can't fix that system. In that case, error reduction tools can be helpful to help those workers navigate safely given the circumstances in which they are working. Here's another one. Failure to move from fixing the workers to fixing the system. You know, there's not much I'm going to say about this one except if you don't get this, you don't understand human performance. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go back and get some basic training in HP fundamentals. Here's another one. Overfocus on prevention and underfocus on recovery. Organizational resilience is critical to the practice of HP. How we recover when failure occurs, now let me say that again, how we recover when failure occurs, not if, is imperative. We put way too much focus on prevention, then believe our preventative efforts will never fail. Believe me, they will. All defenses erode over time through organizational drift. Sooner or later, there will be a failure. The use of a bow tie analysis to balance recovery efforts with prevention efforts is part of HP and is also going to be a future podcast that I'll do uh, down the road here. In a recent podcast titled Assume the Worst, I briefly discuss how to balance prevention efforts with recovery efforts. Here's another big one. Failing to integrate the principles of HP into existing practices. You know, human performance is not a new program. It's not about new rules, and it's not about, uh, uh, you know, pages and pages of safety manuals and uh, forms and those sort of things. It's about integrating these principles into the way that we operate in the things that we already do. This is a big one. To be effective, HP has to be integrated into what we already do in safety, in traditional inspections, in observations, in pre-work briefings, in JSAs or TSAs. We tend to discuss hazards but not error precursors. We don't discuss error traps. We don't discuss performance modes in those sort of things. Also, disciplinary action programs and human resources techniques often have to be aligned with HP principles so as not to cause a conflict that will undermine your efforts. HP is not just about thinking differently. It's about integrating the principles. We can think differently all day long, but until we integrate the principles into what we do out there, it will never anchor in the organization. Here's another one. Using HP only for safety. I often hear about companies that utilize human performance principles for safety, but fail to apply them to other areas of performance. You know, people make errors in everything. 
We make errors in quality, production, customer service. We have clerical errors. We have accounting errors. Everybody makes errors. HP is about operational excellence, and it should be applied to every area of performance. To truly integrate and sustain HP as a way of operating, to truly change the culture, it must apply to all areas as a way of doing business. And here's the last one. There's more, but these are the ones we're going to talk about today. Failure to have champions. A common HP failure is not to have an internal implementation team or champions that are thoroughly knowledgeable in HP and how to guide the organization. Since HP is a major paradigm shift in thinking, it's very easy for the organization to drift back into the old view and begin responding inappropriately to failure. Champions are people who see it, they get it, they are passionate about it, and they're committed to moving that organization in this direction. Simply having one or two people, uh, and that's usually people in the safety department, as champions is a surefire prescription for eventually losing steam and falling back into the old traditional and relatively ineffective old view. So there you have it. There's a whole lot more of these we could discuss, but I wanted to throw a few of these out to you today. Uh, uh, you know, the reason is I just keep getting these people telling me we're doing HP, and when you ask them about their HP, uh, uh, how it looks in their organization, these are the kind of things that I hear. And that bothers me quite a bit, that maybe folks are not getting the kind of training or, the kind, or they're not doing the kind of reading and getting the kind of education they need to be able to holistically apply these principles in their operations. Hope you found this valuable, folks. We'll see you down the road. We got more coming. Take care. Keep them safe out there. Bye-bye. Now, sir.